Good news. My new book is almost here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth. And while it doesn't officially come out with Sounds True until May 7th, you can pre-order it now. And when you do, you'll receive up to $500 in additional gifts and resources to support you on your healing journey. I wrote this book because in the four-year span between 2016 and 2020, I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked every area of my life, health, relationships, finances, career, social status, and even my very identity. Along the way, I experienced firsthand just how dysfunctional our culture's relationship to loss really is. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success, shackled with isolation, and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and evolution, not only as individuals, but as a species. So this book expands the conversation around grief and loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we cover those too, to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. This includes the end of a relationship or job, death of a loved one, a natural disaster or a war, infertility, abortion, or a financial crisis. Also, when we're going through hard times, we're encouraged at every turn to hurry up and get on with it. But by trying to power through these messier seasons of life, we're denying ourselves the very answers to our healing and growth. Whether you're experiencing hardship right now, or you know that you have past hurts that are holding you back and still need healing, this book will support you. Handbook for the Heartbroken will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. Within the loving pages of this book, you'll have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically, find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. You can download your free chapter now and pre-order the book to receive all those bonuses at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. That's handbookfortheheartbroken.com. I also want to add that pre-ordering the book now is the very best way that you can support me as an author and the health of this book when it enters the world in May. It signals to booksellers to stock the book at that time and in turn, make it available to more people who need it. So thank you for your pre-orders. Thank you for your support. And I look forward to continuing to deepen together in this important conversation over the coming months. The 11 chapters on the sacred crew to prepare the best you can for 2023 to make it the best year of your life. You need to form your sacred crew. That is eight to 12 people that you designate, that you make sacred agreements with on what it means to be a community that supports one another. Hi, I'm Sarah Avon Stover, host of Truth, Love, and Beauty. I'm an author, internal family systems practitioner, and teacher of women's yoga, meditation, and spirituality, who's built a long career since the early 2000s to be exact, in supporting women to cultivate greater psycho-spiritual wholeness and, in turn, to come home to themselves. My dedication to women and to the upliftment of the feminine at large has been a lifelong one. From growing up as the second oldest of four sisters in a Connecticut suburb of New York City, 
to studying at an Ivy League all-women's college, all the way up to today. And the very things I support women with mirror the struggles that I've had. Things like doubting, pushing, perfecting, hating, and yes, at times, even hurting myself. Yet I've found, and I have a sense that because you're here, you have too, that these very wounds and pain points can become openings for profound healing, growth, and spiritual insight. I created this podcast in service of honoring just this, this sacred healing journey that we women are on. It was born out of my own desire to hear Dharma talks, which are what the Buddhist tradition calls wisdom teachings, through the distinct lens and voice of the sacred feminine. Here, I'll share these very talks, along with rich conversations with leading thinkers and luminaries about all facets of the feminine spiritual journey. Plus, this podcast highlights three of the core values we must embrace on the feminine path, truth, love, and beauty, values which we all need more of during this tumultuous time in history. I'm so happy you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Truth, Love, and Beauty, and a very happy 2023 to you. I am back from a holiday break, which was really sweet. I love a good holiday break, and I just have an annual tradition of closing for two weeks to just honor honor this holy time of year and just to take a rest. And I got to enjoy my first Christmas in my new home, and we had a beautiful tree. I just I love Christmas trees so much. And just a lot of quiet time working on some projects. I I just did some more work on my new book. I finished my shitty first draft, which feels good. And so this month of January, I'm going to be revising that first draft to hand into my editor on February 1st. So I'm making good progress. My mom came out to visit for a bit, so it was sweet to see her. And just overall, just kind of filling my tank or recharging my batteries to bring some new things forward this year. And there are some new things coming forward. So I have a new program coming out later this month that I feel excited about. I've been working on it. I started working on it in the beginning of the fall. And some of you supported me with that. I had a cohort of about 10 women giving me feedback on different stages of the process. And it's almost ready for you. It will be opening for enrollment on January 24th. And it's called Becoming Whole. And it's all about a woman's path to healing unresolved wounds, unwanted behaviors, lingering feelings of shame and unworthiness, and it blends IFS and feminine spirituality. It runs for five weeks, so it will run throughout the month of February and a little bit into March. And it's the lowest price point program that I've offered in a while. Most of my programs, I acknowledge, have been around 1,000-ish higher, and so I wanted to do something that was just more accessible and more at an entry level but still providing a huge amount of value and depth. 
So if you want to get on the early notification list for Becoming Whole, which again opens on January 24th, you can head to becomingwholeifs.com. That is becomingwholeifs.com. And before we get into today's conversation, I wanted to let you know that we have the first winner of the holiday giveaway from December. So congratulations to Kate Balo for leaving a retreat, a review rather, not a retreat. <laughs> Kate left a review. And Kate wrote, a beautiful dose of feminine medicine. I've been on Sarah's email list for years, ever since I devoured the book of She. I have followed her story and have witnessed massive courage and authenticity in the way she shows up in the world, giving me and us permission to do the same. I was fortunate to work with her one-on-one with IFS and receive some beautiful healing transmissions at that time. This podcast, I feel, gives us a dose of goodness, a dose of that much-needed feminine medicine that helps us reorient towards our own inner love, truth, and beauty whenever we get off kilter. I'm deeply grateful to Sarah for sharing her wisdom freely here, and I love being able to tune in, relaxing, and letting these precious talks wash over and through my being. Thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate your kind words and you taking the time to leave this review. It means a lot to me, and I know it will help these words reach more women. So as a thank you, please send an email to hello at sarahavonstover.com, or you can DM me on Instagram, which is my full name, Sarah Avonstover, and share your mailing address, and we will send off to you the Wild and Sacred Oracle of rather the wild and sacred feminine oracle oracle card deck. And I know that you're going to love it. So thank you again, Kate. And we will announce the second winner later this month. All right. So moving on to today's conversation over the past few years, it has become an annual tradition to invite an astrologer to join us in the month of January to both look back at the previous year's astrology and to look ahead to the new year's astrology. To help us do this, today I invited a psychological astrologer whom I met when I lived in Santa Barbara a few years back, and she recently published a new book called A Map to Your Soul, which we'll be speaking more about today, and Jennifer is just a a burst of wisdom and positive energy. I know that you're going to appreciate this conversation. So Jennifer Freed, PhD, has more than 30 years as a depth psychologist, social emotional trainer, and astrologer. She's an author and a certified EMDR expert and national consultant. With a PhD in psychology, in addition to her expertise as an astrologer, Jennifer Freed is here to show you how to decode and tap into your gifts in this practical guide to life. And this she's referring to her new book, Map to the Soul. She explains how your astrological birth chart can point you to the life you want and offers self-assessments to pinpoint your most effective strategies. She has penned 10 books relating to personal growth and has been interviewed for her expertise by the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Goop, USA Today, and Vogue, amongst others. Her newest project, A Map to Your Soul, was published in October 2022 by Goop and Rodale, and in it, she offers practical exercises for topics ranging from communication styles to creativity, home styles, 
psychic development, and health habits, all the way to belief systems. So enjoy today's conversation with Jennifer, and I hope that this conversation sparks some inspiration for you about what's ahead for us in the year. It certainly did for me. All right. Hello, Jennifer. Welcome. I'm so happy to be here, neighbor. (laughs) So happy to have you. And we always begin our conversations here with a personal check-in. So I'd love for you to share with us just where you're joining us from today and how you're doing at the levels of body, heart, and mind. Well, it's funny you should ask that because I'm in an extremely good mood, unreasonably joyful. I just had a great family visit. And also the most bizarre thing happened yesterday that I simply have to tell you. Please do. Okay. So my best friend came over and wanted me to sign books for presents that she was giving And we were up here in my office, which looks out over the mountains. And we look up and she says, oh, my gosh, there's a hang glider over by that mountain. And I said, yes, sometimes we see them. And I said, they're probably going to come over to get a book signed, you know, making a joke. We were laughing so hard. Ten minutes later, crash landing on our hill. And the hang glider literally couldn't make a mountain, so they had to land in our yard, which is really hard to do. And so it was this really nice traveling nurse, and she was kind of flustered. She didn't break anything. And it ended up, I signed a book for her. So indeed, manifestation's a funny thing. You you totally manifested that. That's a great story. (laughs) And I promise you, there's no one that has ever landed in this yard before. We're on this hill in Toro Canyon, and it's like, no, you wouldn't pick here. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing your your good mood with us and your, your manifestation. And I look forward to talking more about your book today. It's a it's a gorgeous book. But before we get into that, I want to just kind of rewind a little bit to how I know you. And I, I lived in Santa Barbara for a couple of years. I don't live there anymore. I moved back to, um, to Boulder, Colorado, but you and I connected there. And it was a period of time where I was stepping away from my work and I was considering working with the organization that, that you run there, a nonprofit organization. And I remember speaking to you at the time that you were wanting to step back more from what you were doing so you could step into more of what I had been doing of writing books and kind of being a public figure and all that. So I'm curious, how has that transition been for you? Cause that was, that was almost like five years ago, four or five years ago or so. How well, has that transition been for you? As all transitions are just like the birth process, extremely painful and then glorious So the painful part is it really took my partner, Randy and I, we founded the nonprofit, a good four years to find the right replacement to run the agency and also to sort out all of the different ways that we would still be involved, but not present as much. And I am happy to say at this moment, everything couldn't be going better, but the process of disentangling from something we had created proved to be much more challenging than we had thought. And yet, in the end, all that conflict has resulted in the best possible executive director, Roxy Petty, who now runs 
AHA with Molly Green. And we are just tangentially trainers for content. And I feel so relieved to be out of the day-to-day of running a nonprofit for 24 years. That is a big job. Congratulations. And that's that's a big deal. A lot of a lot of founders don't make that transition, are not able to extricate themselves. So I can understand how that would be painful and just what an accomplishment that you actually were able to do that. Thank you, Sarah. It was it took a lot of effort. And I will give my partner Rendy a lot of credit because she has a much more gracious personality than I do. So I tend to be more fiery and get impatient and frustrated and critical. And she tends to go, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. And that combination has kept the nonprofit going all this time. But it also helped in this transition because she could be much more calm during all the waves than I was. So I think it's always good to have a great partner, whether it's romantic or otherwise, that balances out our elements. I agree. And I know we'll get more into the elements with this book, but so how, so as you were pulling away from the, from the nonprofit, what you were being called towards something else. So can you, can you speak to us about what that something else is and what's been being born in the midst of this process within you and your own work? Well, I've always been writing, you know, by now I have 12 books, but what happened in 2016 is one of my best friend who also works at AHA that I was training for years in astrology said to me, you really have to write a book on astrology because no one has the psychological and astrological perspective you have. I've looked around. So she helped me create the proposal. I got an agent through a friend and it turned out that this book really had a lot of legs and I got a great advance and contract. And that was my first book on astrology that came out in 2020, Use Your Planets Wisely, and it's still going strong. And then out of that, I had a lot of momentum and I wanted to create the next book. And also there's something else I was creating and I was in a Saturn transit. So everything was really intense. And so then I got another contract with Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop and Random House to create this next book, which just came out, A Map to Your Soul. And then the other thing that's my pride and joy is coming out in March, which is an oracle deck teaching people about the astrology cycles and transits. So in these three years, it's been a lot. And I feel like that was what was calling me is to bring this psychological astrology knowledge into the mainstream, into the world. That is a lot. That's impressive. Yeah. So what is, what is psychological astrology and how, how, how did you become interested in it and become so passionate about it? Well, basically it's, it's psychology is the study of psyche soul and astrology is the analysis of your cosmic DNA. And together, psychological astrology is not only can we look at your chart and tell you what your gifts and patterns are, but the psychology part is what to do with those gifts and patterns, not just to see them, but so what? How do you address them? How do you work on your inner complexes, et cetera? So it's a great combination. I was very lucky to study both since I was about 18 and a half parallel. 
astrology, psychology. And then I really brought them together in my 30s and started calling myself a psychological astrologer and teaching people this discipline. And there are a handful of us that have PhDs in psychology and also are astrologers. And so, Jennifer, what does that look like? Like when someone, um, like, are are you seeing one-on-one people now or are you used to in the past, like one-on-one clients? Well, I've really reduced my practice. Uh, I work with 10 people in a year monthly, and then they're part of a group that we also work together. And what it looks like is with the information in their chart and their cycles, we pinpoint issues to work on. And then the conversation is about how to upgrade and upscale those issues to become gifts and contribution. And we support each other to live the highest side of those transits and cycles. And in addition to that, every now and then I open up the waiting list and see people one-to-one for a reading, but that's very rare at this point. But that's the two ways I participate at this moment. And initially, like when, when you started bridging these two, like were you working more in the psychological realm with clients and then you would weave in astrology or was it vice versa? Like how did you how did right. you first start to meld? Well, I always yeah. did it in my own mind, but astrology was really not popular when I started. So I would just say, oh, Sarah, what's your birth date when you came as a client? And I would look up your chart minus the rising sign, and I'd have a good sense of what was acute versus long-term issues. And then as time went on, and I would say, you know, after about 20 years, people started saying, oh, I hear you're an astrologer. Can we look at my chart and do the therapy? So for a long time, it was therapy and astrology adjacent. And then finally, I stopped being a therapist. I'm no longer a therapist, and I only do this kind of psychological astrology coaching. And what do you notice in like the people that are in your groups? What do you notice is possible for them by bringing in this combination of the the psychology and the astrology? Well, I think the biggest thing that happens when you have a really good psychological astrology reading is you feel very affirmed, very understood and your self-acceptance shoots up by about a thousand percent. Now, once you have self-acceptance, oh, these are my issues. I'm not at fault. These are my issues. Self-blame and shame are some of the biggest obstacles to progress. So once you remove the shame and the blame, oh, these are my issues. Then you can begin to get support and also create new rituals and disciplines to address those issues. And that is what these 10 people have been doing really successfully. And so it's validating because you can see like, oh, if this is your particular configuration of like sun sign, rising, all those things, it just, it shows kind of like a map to your, your personality or your, your liabilities and your gifts. Completely. It's not personal. I'll use myself as an example. So I have Sun, Venus, and Aquarius opposite Uranus. So as my youngest daughter, who's now 37, will tell you, I'm really into you, and then I'm completely distant. I have a kind of come-and-go personality. Well, that's not that pleasant for me or other people at times. 
but now that I understand the Uranus influence, which is kind of a sudden intense engagement and a sudden leaving, I can have a much more gracious sense of humor about it. I can catch myself in it. I can explain myself to people. People that know me can tease me about it. And so there's so much more room. Whereas when I didn't understand that as well, I would pathologize it. Other people would. And sometimes I'd act it out in the worst way out of defensiveness. So knowing your patterns and complexities gives you much more choice. In other words, knowledge is power. Yeah. So let's go into this. Let's go into this book. Um, you have it in the background there for your, for yourself, but I'm out to your soul using the astrology of fire, earth, air, and water to live deeply and fully. So how, how do the elements weave into this particular, this new body of work that's just come out for you? Well, this book is purposefully designed for everyone, whether they like astrology or not, because all of us humans need to balance out the four elements to have a joyful and contributing life. The elements are fire, that dynamic, instant, physical, engaging, passionate quality. Earth, that very solid, sensual, slow, dependable quality. Air, that inspiring, visionary, big picture, breathtaking quality. And water, that deep feeling, that compassion, that empathy, that tenderness quality. We all need all four. So the book is about how to bring all four into balance in the 12 domains of life. And that's what the book is about. Now, if you're interested in astrology, you're going to find a lot of resonance in the 12 domains being the 12 houses in looking at certain illuminations in the book, particular to astrology. But this book is designed for individuals, couples, families to work together to become closer and to become much more able to deliver their unique gifts in balance. So kind of similar as you were talking about with your own partner, your life partner and your your former work partner, that it's kind of bringing opposites together or complementary um dispositions together yes and that's a good point because for example i'm really fire and air is my main leaning in elements and i'm weaker definitely on water sometimes on earth my partner is very high on water like really high and then she has um, a good handle on earth Now, what most couples do is they go, you play that, I'll play this. And then they end up hating each other for it. That's kind of what we do. We split off our elements onto each other. But if you really work at balancing all four elements, then it becomes your job to become whole instead of having a projection on other people. So like my job is to get more earthy and to become much more feeling instead of mental. And so the the twelve, what do you call them? The twelve domains. Domains. Yeah. Yes, they're they're similar to the twelve houses. Can you talk us through what what each of yeah. those are? Sure. So the first domain is presentation. 
Who do people meet when they first meet you? The second domain is values and what you consider value and valuable and what you think you own or have inside of you. The third domain is communication. The fourth domain is the home you live in and the home atmosphere you create. The fifth domain is how you create and how you fall in love. The sixth is health and habits. The seventh is partnership. The eighth is sex and sexuality. The ninth is your belief systems and also how you travel inside and out. The 10th is legacy and career. The 11th is what I call the sacred crew. And the 12th is spirituality and psychic abilities. Hmm. And what, what was your process with writing this book? I, I'm interested as just a writer myself, like, have you been teaching this particular material and just became time to consolidate it into a book or how did, how That's did it come a great question. Well, this is going to be obnoxious for most writers. So I want to give that disclaimer first. Writing is an effortless process for me. I channel it. So I do all the work, meaning, you know, I teach and I read and I do all the things. But when I sit down, there's a force that takes over and I just write and write and write. And I'm not a perfectionist, which is so helpful. And then I have an editor, Melissa, who edits my work. So I don't have to really think that hard as I'm channeling about how it's coming out. She edits, then I review and edit. And that's a good process. But this book was really in response to what Gwyneth Paltrow and Random House said they wanted, which is this hybrid astrology, non-astrology book. And I had been very much thinking about the elements. They're the foundation of astrology. But honestly, I just sat down and delivered. So a lot of this just came through me. There was one chapter I channeled the whole chapter and had somebody help me work on it. And then they went, uh, it's horrible, throw it out. But other than that, everything stayed. Mm -hmm. And to get yourself into that space to channel, is there like a certain time of day that works or like certain like ritual to get in that zone? Yes. I am an extremely disciplined person. So maybe that's the hard part, but every morning I'm up when I'm writing by five or six, I do a series of spiritual exercises and things that I do And that will take me probably an hour. And then my only good writing time is between seven and nine or 10 in the morning. That's it. I'm not an afternoon person. In fact, I really like a nap. So for me, it's all in the morning and then I've got to have fun and I got to go do other work and whatever. But that channeling time, I just sit, I've done my spiritual work. And then it just comes and I just write and write and write and write and write. And then I'm a little exhausted and then I go run or do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I relate to that. I'm definitely like, I write, I can only really write in the morning and it has to come after my practices. And then, then I'm before, I, before I let the world in, before I turn my phone on or check my email and then it comes easily. I can just sit for an hour and write and get, get a lot out on the page. But if I try to do that another time of the day, it's not going to, it's not going to be the same. It's not going to work. Well, I think some research has said that we lose our willpower with each hour of the day. And I think of it as divine willpower because I'm the vessel 
and I'm the faithful servant to the words, but I have to come with a fresh and open channel. And that's why the morning works well for me. Yeah. So astrology has gotten, I'm sure you've noticed, hugely popular in really like the past three to four years. It's like just come to a new level in, at least in this part of the world. Why, why do you think that is? What, what do you think it is about these times that's, that's making just so many people drawn to astrology? Well, I think the world is much more fractured and much more distracted and anxious and depressed than ever before due to the overstimulation and overconnection that these devices bring us. So much more activity, but so much less presence. And therefore, people are in dire need of meaning and quick understandings of others so that they can feel more sense of belonging. And astrology is the one symbolic system, meaning-making system, that isn't sexist or racist or homophobic or all the rest. So people are really drawn to this kind of open tableau where they can see themselves in it and everyone else in it, but there isn't the politics of it. I think that makes it very appealing. I think there's also some element of, uh, it gives us a tool to work with uncertainty and to understand deeper patterns. And like, like you said, make, just making meaning of things that are hard to make sense of that, that we haven't encountered before to go to deeper layers of that. I, I couldn't agree more. I think as things feel more and more chaotic, Uncertainty is much more problematic and people would like a map, hence a map to your soul or a cosmic map. I think part of what happens to any kind of sacred system that gets popular is some of it loses its magic or value in the reductionist version of it. Hear that, yes. So speaking of the reductionist version of it, I want to talk through um, just some more basics of astrology and then even to go into kind of an overview of this is coming out in January of kind of looking back at what were some of the big astrological themes of 2022 and what can we, what can we look ahead to in 2023? But first I want to talk about, you know, with astrology, I think most people know their sun sign. And then I also know that your moon sign and your rising sign are important aspects of your chart as well. So can you just break down like what is the difference between the sun sign, the moon sign and the rising sign? Sure. The sun is your basic sense of self identity, ego. The moon is your inner nature, your non-negotiable needs, what you need to be nurtured. And the rising is your social persona, the mask that you wear as you interact with the world at large. So there's the sun, moon, rising. Then there's many other planets in your chart that talk about different aspects of yourself. I really think the best thing to do is to go to Google or any search engine and put free natal chart and then put in your information. Even if you don't know your birth time, just put 12 p.m., And you'll get a really good readout of some of your basic 
symbols in your chart. And I think that's a good place to start. But the sun, moon, rising tell a lot about a person because they're what's called your astrological signature, your sun, moon, rising. Hmm. And then, Jennifer, looking back at 2022 from an astrological perspective, like what do you feel like were some of the biggest themes or events of this past year? The biggest theme in 2022, which all the astrologers talked about, is the Saturn square Uranus and at times involving Mars too. This is the classic archetype of disruption and violence. We have seen so much unnecessary violence in 2022. You name it, just look around between gun violence and Russia's invasion and political violence and domestic violence and murders rising. What happens with Saturn square Uranus is it's like a fault line that just cracks and people are not as skillful at managing their emotions and their primitive aspects of themselves. And they resort to this kind of infantile mind as a way of coping with uncertainty. So 2022 really has shown us how backwards humanity really is on such a big scale. Like we have spent thousands of years building things, scientifically exploring things, but the human nature is still so far regressed from where it could be. I fully believe if we could harness this into a global sentient empathic being, we could have peace on earth and everyone would have what they needed. But there's still this reptilian, it's me or you kind of mentality. And it really was fomenting this last year. That was a huge piece. On the other hand, we have also been in a period of accelerating our sense of the mystical and the magical. And people are really vested in the idea that there's something more than this kind of egoic, grabby need to manifest consumerism. People are hungry, especially young people, for community, for nature, for true nurturing. So I think that's what's seeding 2023 is we've seen what happens when people are at each other's throats over property or principles. But what about what we did do with the pandemic of everybody for a moment joining together to solve the vaccine? I mean, the potential of the world coming together to solve ecology, to solve sexism, racism, homophobia, poverty, we can do it. So 2023 is my uh, year for the world getting its act together. Sounds encouraging. Can you say more about that? Well, there's two things that are going to happen. Pluto's going into Aquarius after 16 years in Capricorn. And in Aquarius, it intensifies our sense of being one human and beyond human Earth. Pluto and Aquarius will make that even more apparent. 
And then Saturn's going into Pisces, which means we will have to join together to solve water issues at the least. And then Jupiter in May is going into Taurus, which is the absolute best sign, Jupiter and Taurus, to embrace the earth and really treat her with the dignity and respect she deserves. So to me, all these things put together could be, could, I'm going to be optimistic, that we all realize that our futures are interdependent and we must and have to solve these urgent problems together. And then the fulfillment of that will be glorious. Are there any particular ways that we, that listeners can kind of align with these energies and events in 2023? Yes, here's my biggest thing. My 11th chapter called The Sacred Crew. So everybody needs to get my book. It's on audio and paper. No, not paperback yet, but hardback and Kindle. The 11th chapter is on The Sacred Crew to prepare the best you can for 2023 to make it the best year of your life. You need to form your sacred crew. That is eight to 12 people that you designate, that you make sacred agreements with on what it means to be a community that supports one another. And once you've come up with your agreements and everyone has to really sign on and there needs to be eight to 12 because no one person can meet all your needs and we've all seen that. Then you have to take on one thing you're gonna do for this planet. It could be simple, we're gonna plant a garden. It could be, we're gonna feed some children. It could be whatever it is. One thing you're all committed to and then that's your sacred crew. And if people do this, there will be natural affiliations between one sacred crew and another. So my vision, which I'm completely committed to that would change the course of this planet is millions of sacred crews in eight to 12, because that's a perfect number, doing something good on behalf of this planet, which will do such a good thing for each of them. And also this sense of community building is so important for us all to have an extraordinary 2023. Yeah, that's that's such a good reminder about the creation of, of the vaccine, how so many people came together under crisis with factors that none of us had ever experienced before and created this in a, in a fairly short amount of time. A record time. No one foresaw that it could be done that quickly. And that's the other cool thing about 2023 and beyond. Our rational minds can't even conceive of how fast we can leap once we're aligned. The alignment is important. That's why the 8 to 12, align, align, align. I cannot keep my good ethos and arrows going without my people. I cannot do this alone. No one can. And that's another myth we have to get rid of is there is no such thing as the self-made individual. That's the farthest thing from the truth. And so we are group made people. Who's your group? How are they helping you? And 
Jennifer, another thing that we do on this podcast is is look at like what are and the thing this is related to what we we're just talking about, but what are some of the underlying structures or components in your life that really sustain you and nourish you and allow you to show up in the world the, the way that you do? That's a great question, and I appreciate that you want people to answer that question. So I have not a big leeway in terms of screwing up because I'm a delicate soul. Even though I'm strong, I'm delicate. So every morning I lay in bed before I get up because I always wake up early and I go through uh, internal meditation and I do that for 20 or 30 minutes. Then I get up and I do an external Qigong movement meditation. And then I come and I write a love letter to the divine of my knowing, a thank you. And then I do my work or whatever I'm doing. And then later, I always get 30 to 60 minutes of exercise because I have to in order to move the energy. And then at night, before I go to sleep, I meditate on something called the Merkaba. Do you know that? I I used to, and I'm not not remembering what it is right now. Isn't is well, that like a like a? You, you tell me. <laughs> well, I don't even really know exactly what it is, but it's a geometric thing from the Kabbalah, and it's light, body, spirit. And how I meditate on it, if it's helpful, is I sit up in bed, and I imagine that all this light emanates from the universe through me and to me from all dimensions, almost like this huge shaped energetic geometric design. And I'm in the center of it. And I ask to just be bathed in this Merkaba. And I say those words, which seem very important. And then that just helps me feel aligned before I go to sleep. That's all the stuff I do every day. No, I never miss a day. That's the other thing I find so funny that you might relate to. But I always find it funny when people go, yeah, I exercise three times a week or I meditate three times a week. To me, these are the things that make me feel the best. So why would I take a break? I can take a break from drinking wine. I can take a break from eating chocolate. I love them, but they're not always good for me. I do love them. But why take a break from the things that actually make you feel the best? I've never understood that. So anyway, don't take a break. I always do those things. And then the most important thing to me at this point is laughing. Because the world's quite serious. There's so much pain. I deal with people with so much difficulty. So I like to be around friends or my partner. She cracks me up beyond belief. And we just laugh. And that's very therapeutic. Mm, I love hearing that. And I'm right there with you on doing those things every day. It's like, yeah. I thought you would be because I find this the funniest part about humans. It's like, where did we get this idea that taking care of ourselves was kind of something you do after the fact? Right. Like you do all the other things and then, well, maybe I'll exercise, but I didn't have time today. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. What, what are your favorite ways to exercise? Well, I need a lot of variety, but anybody that follows me on Instagram knows I'm a dancing goofball. And so I do a lot of dancing. So I'll just turn on really loud music when no one's home. And then I dance, dance, dance. And then I like hiking and I'm really into ocean swimming. 
And right this moment, it's coming out in January, probably not that month, but I do a lot of ocean swimming, hiking, dancing, long walks. My favorite today, I took a walk for an hour up the hills. I, I just love anything that's in nature or I'm just crazy about dancing, but I don't go to dance classes, although I might try a salsa class. Hmm. Yeah, I do salsa class. You do? And it's okay, a lot of fun. I'm going to try it. I think that would be super fun. Yeah. There's yeah. definitely a learning curve, but once you, once you get, once you can get a routine and get into the rhythm, it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, see, cause I dance all the time. Like I love Shakira. I love the Latin music. I think I already am doing the salsa, but I never follow instructions very well. So that's the only holdback. I think it'll do great. (laughs) And what is, um, what is the current edge or growing edge for you? Oh boy, I have so many growing edges. You know, I'm such a flawed human as we all are. Um, I think a major one for me is that I can be so in my head or far into the future and I am not right in the present doing what I'm doing. That's a major flaw. Um, I think I go to anger quite quickly when I'm hurt and it it takes me a lot to remember, oh, it's because I'm hurt instead of just wanting to strike out. That's another flaw. Um, I'm not very gracious. Like when I'm done, I'm done. And so I don't always leave people in the best way. Like, okay, I'm tired. I'm out. You know, that kind of thing. I have so many flaws, but I think what I'm recognizing as I'm getting older is that one, the flaws don't really change, but I am getting much better at attending to them. Much better at attending to them. And my granddaughter's helping me with some of them. Shall I tell you about that? Yeah, please do. Okay, so she's eight and she is a stickler. So she's a perfectionist. Everything has to be exactly right. And I'm not like that at all. Like I'm a mess. So we routinely play this game where I'm the little sister and she has to teach me how to do everything. And the truth is, I never actually was taught anything because I was the youngest and I was just rolling around that she will just say, no, you must do it like this. And now hold the fork like this and wash your hands like this. And I think it's actually good for her. She's the only child, so she doesn't get to boss anybody around. She said that's a good thing. And secondly, I'm relearning things I never learned and some of them are embarrassing but she's helping me with it that is really sweet that's sweet her mother sometimes gets worried that no one in her life's ever going to let her boss them around like this but I actually like it so Mm -hmm. it's a win-win yeah yeah but many flaws many possibilities yes and You've shared so much with us today. Um, and just, is there any, any final words or any, anything that you want to leave listeners with? Well, I do want to be encouraging about 2023. You know, we have had a preponderance of excessively hard transits over the last five years, excessively hard. And 2023 is 
potentially a year of more coming together in peace and harmony and optimism. I don't know about everyone listening, but I think it's been hard to be optimistic with the pandemic and the wars and the political strife and all the things. But I do think if we do the sacred crew work in 2023 early on, that we could have a revival of hope and optimism in our country and in the world. And that is a beautiful opportunity that the cosmos is absolutely offering to us. But I wanna remind everyone, nothing happens to us, things happen for us, but we're in a divine partnership. So it's up to each one of us to take the invitation and show up. If you don't show up, you can't enjoy the party. So that's my final world. Show up for each other, show up for yourselves, 2023 could be a very positive year. I mean, clearly we need one. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I feel, I feel just optimism hearing you say that. Yeah. Is there anything you want to say, having listened to all of this about 2023 as you are an intuitive and very wise person? I think, you know, when I hear things that, that resonate it kind of brings to the surface things that I've been sensing deeper down. And I, I feel like I, I, in my own life, like this has been a great year. Um, 20, like my, my years have been getting, I, I had a downshift for some years and then like 2020 things started getting better. 2021, even better. This year was really great. And I feel I have a I feel a lot of optimism for 2023. You seem great. Oh yes, and one more thing I want to add, I forgot. If your listeners go to jenniferfree.com and order my book through my site and give the receipt, they'll get hundreds of dollars of free gifts. So that's a good way to do it. You can choose any bookseller, but if you go through my site jenniferfree.com, that's a great opportunity to get a lot of value. So I do want them to know that. Great. Is there anything else aside from going to your website and buying your book, anything else that you want to let listeners know about? Well, just stay in touch with me, Dr. Jennifer Freed on Instagram, because I will have other things coming up and free things coming up. And I just want people to be in touch and we'll make it all fabulous together is what I mostly want. Yeah, well, thank you for being here with us. I just, from when I first briefly met you years ago, I just so appreciate your just bright, positive, fun energy. It's really lovely to be around and appreciate you sharing it with our larger audience today. Well, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being here today. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd be very grateful if you could take a moment to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. That is the best way to support me in continuing on with this podcast and also to support other women in finding this, other women who may find this beneficial for their own lives. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And if you're not already signed up for my newsletter, 
monthly insights, which I've been sending out now for almost 20 years. I welcome you to join me and a community of like-hearted women from around the world there. You can subscribe at my website, sarahavonstover.com. Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support.